0: We're in the middle of a short series called Seeds, Sowing for uh, Growth. Hashtag seeds, you can find everything, forward slash seeds, and there you can get the slides and the podcasts and all the rest of it as we journey through. We've had um, three Sunday mornings since the beginning of the new year. Hands up if you've heard something and can articulate what you've gone and done about it few more hands. You were ready after last Sunday. A few more hands going up around the place. A little awkward, isn't it, to think that we might have to do something about what we do here in church on a Sunday. Um, we've done quite well at containing it and keeping it stuck to our, our time here. What if God wants to break out? What if what God speaks to me now is going to make a difference tomorrow morning? Or it's going to make a difference what I do on a Tuesday night or on a Wednesday lunchtime? What if it makes a difference on a Friday morning? a Friday afternoon? What if it changes my weekend? Because God is breaking into my life and I cannot be the same if God breaks into my life who's with me. The harvest that you reap is directly related to the seed that you sow. You cannot sow a seed and get a different harvest. I've told you everything I know about gardening, horticulture, agriculture, farming, the whole lot. But I'm right, aren't I? You cannot grow something that isn't connected. The DNA of the seed is crucial to the harvest. And there are seeds that I believe we need to plant in order that we might reap the harvest that we believe God has for us. And we'll look this morning at this third seed that we need to plant in order to grow the harvest, in order to experience the breakthrough that is on God's heart for us as a community to live as growing extended families. But why? Why is that one of these seeds? It's one of these seeds because it is the model that God gave us When he revealed himself to us in the Scriptures. It is the model that we see worked out through the Old Testament and the New Testament. It is the model that we see in Jesus himself. Everywhere we see in Scripture what I will call today the family way. Before anything, we know that God is family. In the beginning, God created and said, let us, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, let us, God in community, do some creative work. Let us make mankind in our image, male and female in our likeness. What does that tell us? Great tweet coming up. Everything God does is in community. Everything God does is in community. There is no individualism with God. Three individuals, absolutely, but no individualism. The Godhead never does something or one part or one member never does anything by themselves without explicit and implicit reference to the others. Everything God does is worked out in community. Now we live in the West... And we've been influenced by Augustine, who was so concerned that Christianity be distinct from many other religions that worship many gods, is that when he wrote his theological treaties that have been so influential in our tradition, there was a huge emphasis on the fact that our God is one. Quite right too. Jewish people will say every day, the Lord our God is one. Quite right. Right. The Eastern tradition, the Orthodox tradition and other traditions like the early Cappadocian fathers, for example wanted to explore and give more uh, uh, articulation, more verbalization to the fact that what we have in the scripture is not the story of one God doing his stuff, but the story of a family working out their mission together. The Father, the Son and the Holy Spirit. And you will know that's true if you were here a few weeks ago when we talked about the whole story of the mission of God is in family terms. God is family and his mission is a family affair. Christmas is about a father sending a son in the power of the Spirit. The ministry of Jesus is about the son doing what he sees the... Father doing in the power of the Spirit. When they get to the cross, the Son surrenders to the Father. And Paul says, when Jesus died on the cross, the fullness of the Godhead, Father, Son and Holy Spirit were all present and involved. Don't ask me to explain how that is worked out. The Father loses a son. The son loses his life. It's a family affair. No one ever goes off and does their own thing. There is no individualism in God, God's mission to the world was and is a family affair. It's the family way. And if you remember from a few weeks ago, Jesus at the end of his life, in the final hours before his crucifixion, articulated what is at the very heart of God's mission. And in the final hours, Jesus talked about God's mission in family terms about bringing others into the family. That God's mission was about extending, interesting play on words for a moment, extended family. When Jesus said, may they also be in us, so I in them and you in me. Can you remember how we talked about the Trinity rips itself open and invites you and I to become part of the family? Whoop trinity rips opens itself and we'll come back to that before the end of this morning and invites us in god's mission was in creating an extended family can you see that secondly if god is family in the family way and his mission is a family affair Think about how important extended family is in the Old Testament for a moment. What was the very first thing God ever said was not good? First thing that wasn't good? Man to be on their own. Many a woman has agreed with him. It is not good for man to be alone. Think of the calling... In Genesis chapter 12, when God appointed in order to begin salvation history, we talk about the calling of Abraham, but effectively, God called a family Abraham and Sarah and their nephew Lot, and Abraham was to be the father of many it's familial family language it could have made abraham the king the ruler the leader but no he's the father of many biggest example though i think is the passover the passover was the most crucial most important event that ever took place in the old testament like the death of jesus and resurrection is in the new testament it prefigures the whole thing surprise surprise And when the angel of death was going to pass over the Egyptians in order that God was going to release his people out of slavery, he did not say, all stand to attention. He did not ask them to put on a uniform. He did not ask them to all gather on a hillside. He asked them to get into their extended family. He says, I want you to gather with your family, with your slaves, your servants, with your household. In order that you might be protected and in order that year after year after year after year, when you remember what God has done for you, you will remember around your table with those people that you are journeying this life with. And then many great moments in the Old Testament when the people are gathered together and they're not gathered all on a hillside, but they're gathered in tribes and in clans. What's God reinforcing when he gathers them in their small group, in their bigger group, and in their national group? What's God saying? What's being reinforced? What's going on there? Not surprising if God is in the family way, and not surprising if God is family, that the bedrock of life in the Old Testament should be the extended family. Not surprising, therefore, that when we leap into the New Testament, we see Jesus saying, hey, I've eagerly desired to eat the Passover meal with you. And who did he eat the Passover meal with? His extended family. Unsurprisingly then, the word household As we know, the Greek word oikos is mentioned again and again and again in the New Testament. We've talked about it numerous times, so I'm going to go really fast at this moment. But for example, when Paul writes to the churches, for example, the church in Rome, we can see that he's writing to a multiple of oikoses, of households, of extended families. He lists five, if not more, in Romans chapter 16. We see that discipleship took place primarily within households. Almost all the instructions for teaching and worship in the New Testament make no sense in this environment. They're all written in the context of homes and extended family. Think about the way the church grew in Acts, the networks of households through which it grew and so on and so forth. But let me draw your attention to this brilliant verse that Jill read to us that just reminds us again this morning that the bedrock of social relationships in the New Testament with the extended family. That verse from 1 Peter, if you've still got it open in front of you. You also, like living stones, verse 5, are being built into a spiritual oikos, a spiritual household, same word, to be a holy priesthood offering spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. A spiritual oikos that will be a holy priesthood. What do the priests do? The priests help people connect with God. That's what mission is about. Introducing, helping people connect with God. You have to be a spiritual household that connects other people to God. How exciting is that? You are to be a spiritual household that offers the spiritual devotion of spiritual sacrifices. So it's a it's an oikos, a household that's both missional and discipling in orientation, if you can ever separate those two things from one another. And that's what Peter wrote to the church in the New Testament. And he's saying, this is what God's doing among you. He's building spiritual families that will be both missional and the hotbed for discipleship. Is he doing that with us? Is God doing that with you? I have no doubt that we should be building extended families in order to release the power of mission and discipleship in our community. But you knew that anyway. Why? Because that's how God did it. That's how we see the Old Testament did it. That's how we see the New Testament did it. That's how we'll see in a minute that Jesus did it. It's just not always how we've done it. In fact, sometimes we do give lip service, don't we, to family language. You know when someone says, you alright, right, brother? And I think I was until the thought that I might be your brother came into my head. Now, frankly, I'm freaking out that we might be family. People write to you, dear brother. From the other side, I don't know you, are not my brother, I have no idea who you are. Don't even know your middle name or your favorite food or your whatever. And so we, we, we use the language sometimes without the reality. We need to build extended family. But I think that there are two major obstacles that we'll have to face And we'll have to overcome in order to do it. There are these two. How we think and how we feel. Both of these things make what I'm suggesting this morning very counterintuitive to the way that we think and the way that we feel. How we think, first of all. We think in nuclear family terms. Therefore, many of us say... It doesn't apply to me. At least half of us are not in what we might call nuclear family circumstances. We might say, I'm not married, therefore how can this family stuff apply to me? I'm single, divorced, widowed, whatever, but I'm not married. I don't see how this works. You talk about family, it does my head in because I'm not in a family. All this talk about family makes no sense because I haven't got any children. All my children have grown up and moved away, so we're not functioning as a family. Family anymore. It makes no sense to me. And so we define what we think family means through the filter of our cultural understanding, which is the nuclear family. If you're interested in that, I'll put an article on my blog this afternoon that you can pursue that a bit further. So we we define what we think about family in terms of nuclear family, and therefore we say, I don't fit. This excludes me. I'm not part of what's being talked about here. And so when you hear people talking about family and building family, you immediately switch off because you can't see the connection with where it connects into your situation and in your circumstance. We have a challenge about how we think. We also have a challenge about how we feel. Many of us know that family should be good, but it hasn't felt good to us. Many of us carry the hurts, The letdowns, the disappointments, the rejections, the scars of relational breakdown, lack of trust. Some of us have open weeping wounds because our families have not or are not working in the way we wanted them to or longed for them to. Family can be ever so hard. So when someone like me, young and handsome, says hey let's build extended family you go no thanks because family hurts no thanks family just messes with my head no thanks I, I don't want to get that close to people anymore because that really has done my head in and it's ruined my life and so we have this uh, obstacle in terms of the way that we think and we also have very realistically this, this kind of obstacle in the way that we feel uh, I, I'm going I'm to do it by myself now I'm not going to get that close to other people anymore. Whatever I do in my life, I'm going to understand that I'm on my own really. And if I stay in that place, then I won't be open for the huge disappointment and pain that I've already suffered in my life. Does anyone know what I'm talking about? Let's zero in on Jesus for a moment. I want us to zero in on Jesus for two reasons. We need answers from him to these two blockages, these two obstacles. But also... If what I'm saying is right, that extended family is what God's calling us to, if extended family is the basis for mission and discipleship throughout the Scriptures, then we would expect to see it supremely exemplified in the life of Jesus, wouldn't we? I think we would. Okay, here we go. Thinking about Jesus. What have we said about God? God God is family. God's in the family way. So we would expect Jesus... To be in the family way. Jesus needs a family, if my thesis is correct, in order for his mission to be successful. For Jesus, there's no individualism. That's what we said about the Trinity. They don't do anything off by themselves, they do it in community, they do it together, they do it with family. So at the beginning of Jesus' ministry, he heads off to Nazareth. Why? Who's there? Who's in Nazareth? His family. Luke chapter 4 describes Jesus returning to his family at the beginning of his mission in order to launch his mission in the context of his family. And Luke chapter 4 tells how Jesus was sitting in the synagogue and he would have been there surrounded by his extended family. Jesus is sitting. In his local synagogue, listening to the speakers, surrounded by the oikos that he has been in all his life. Mother, maybe father, brothers, sisters, cousins, those his father's worked with, those he's now working with, people that he was at school with, that solid network of relationships that made up his life. He was sitting there with him and he gets up and he speaks. And with all of them listening on, he speaks from the prophet Isaiah. He says, The Spirit of the Lord is on me. I am, I am that one. I am the one that we've longed for. The Spirit of the Lord is upon me, because the Lord has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor, send me for freedom for the prisoners, recovery sight of the blind, set the oppressed free, and all that stuff. Whoop. And he rolls up the skull and he hands it back to his attendant and sats down. The eyes of everyone, it says, in the synagogue were fastened on him. And he began to say to them, today the scripture is fulfilled in your hearing. Verse 22 of Luke chapter 4, you can look at this later. They all spoke well of him and were amazed at his gracious words. It's so far, so good. He's launching his mission, I am he. The the family, the oikos he's in, seem really receptive to what he's about. But then he has to do two other things. Remember, he only does what he sees the Father doing. He has to do two other things. First of all, he needs to expose that lack of faith. And he says to them, look, look! it will not happen. We cannot do this if there is lack of faith. You will say, do what, you, do what I've done in other places, Capernaum, do it here in Nazareth. And we know in other parts of the Bible that Jesus couldn't do those things because of their lack of faith. He then challenged them and says, look, you're going to have to shift your understanding as well, because this gospel that I've been called to, this good news, this mission, is not just for the Jews, it's not just for us local Galileans, it's not for us nationally, but it is for the Gentiles as well. And he tells a story about Elijah and King Naaman and all that. And you can read about that as well. By the end of his clarification of what his mission is all about, we read some astounding words. Verse 28. All the people in the synagogue were furious when they heard this. Who are the people in the synagogue that are furious? His family, his cousins, his uncles, his aunts, his schoolmates, his work colleagues, the customers that he'd had. Verse 29, they got up, drove him out of the town, took him to the brow of the hill on which the town was built in order to throw him off the cliff. I want you to feel the weight of that for a moment. The oikos that Jesus has been in all his life, take him to the edge of the cliff, and as was the custom, you'd be bound hand and foot, thrown over the cliff, and they'd throw stones at you until you died. That's his family. In every real sense, his family rejected him. I want you for a moment to imagine the pain that Jesus was facing right now. When those that should have rescued him stood by, when those that should have protected him exposed him, when those that should have stood with him stood against him, miraculously and we don't know how he walked through the crowd that day. Never has the Christmas reading been more true, he came to that which was his own, but his own did not receive him. If anyone on earth could say, family sucks, I don't need it. I don't need this level of anguish and pain. In fact, I'm not doing that. I don't need anyone. I'm the son of God for goodness sake. I'll do this by myself. If anyone could have said, I'm not going to build relationships with anyone else, I'll do my mission my way from now on. It's a lot easier and it's a lot less painful. If anyone could have felt betrayed and rejected by those who should have stayed with him and abandoned by all, it was Jesus himself. I want to tell you guys, if you've got a messed up family background, then you're an absolutely brilliant company with Jesus. And some of you are seeing that for the first time this morning. Let it settle into your heart. Jesus knows exactly what it's like to be abandoned by your family, to be sold out by your family, to be rejected by your family. He feels your pain. He gets it. There's nothing he doesn't understand about that experience. So what does he do now? You'd fully understand him saying, family way, my foot. I'm going to do my own thing. My family's a bunch of losers. Family sucks. Not going there again. Stiff upper lip, I can do it. I don't need them anyway. I'll follow my own way. No one's going to help me anymore. A little bit of hardness gathers around his heart. Next day, a bit more hardness. Until Jesus is this individual all powered up to do it by himself. Struggling to relate to anybody. No, no. No, Jesus is a revelation of God. Jesus is in the family way. God's way is the family way. Tweet this. Even the Son of God needs a family to fulfill his calling. How do we know? Because the next thing Jesus did was to go looking for a family he could build his mission with. Jesus left the synagogue and went to the home of Simon, we we'll read later on in Luke chapter 4. You can read all of this, Luke chapter 4 and Luke chapter 5 when you get home. Simon's mother-in-law was sick, uh, it, she was healed, she cooked and all that stuff, and waited on them. Uh, and, and we see that Jesus began to head for Capernaum, where there was a man named Peter, a person of peace, who'd shown some interest in Jesus a little earlier. And he finds a welcome there with Peter and his family. And they begin to do mission based out of Peter's house in Capernaum. And the mission starts bubbling and people are getting healed and people are getting saved. And it's all really exciting. And then it all comes to uh, a, an end. Um, at the end of chapter 5. So thinking about Jesus, he's rejected by his family. And he goes off and builds a new family. And at the end of chapter 5, verse 11. might not be the end of chapter 5, verse 11 anyway. When Jesus said to Simon, don't be afraid, from now on you will fish for people. Verse 11, so they pulled up their boats on the shore, left everything and followed him. A change of family for Peter, therefore a change of family business. Change of family, therefore a change of family business. And there at Capernaum, with Peter and the others, with Peter's oikos, Jesus begins to launch out into his ministry. Now, let's press the pause button for a moment because we've come a long way in a short space of time. Think about what's happening. Jesus is a single man without a family of his own. But in order to launch his mission, he builds a family, core relationships with 12 men. If you think this extended family doesn't apply to you because you aren't married, or somehow your relational status is not right, right, then I urge you to listen to what the Spirit might have to say. If you think it doesn't apply to you because you haven't got any children, or all your children are grown up, then remember Jesus' example who was single and didn't have any children other than the ones that were already all grown up. If you feel, so that's how you think, if you feel, if you feel like family is the last thing you need or you struggle with family and would rather avoid family at all costs because you've been hurt, disappointed and carry the scars, I want to say this morning that I understand that but much, much, much more importantly, Jesus understands that. Jesus Heals that. And Jesus calls us, however messed up our family backgrounds, to start again in His grace and with His Spirit. Someone say hallelujah. Because the pews will cry out if you don't. Does any of that make sense? It's a lot of processing for some of us this morning not to do this morning, weeks, months, years to process what Jesus might be calling us to in areas of our lives that we've written off because of how we think or because of how we feel. Jesus totally redefines family, thirdly. Who are my mothers and brothers? In the end he says, they are these people around me that seek to do the will of God. There is a spiritual family, a spiritual oikos that transcends flesh flesh. And blood. So we see it all over the New Testament. Paul, maybe another single man, sends off someone called Timothy that he calls his son. Because that's the way. They didn't know any other way. God's way is the family way. And if we bring all this into land, it's why we see when Jesus goes up to heaven and the disciples get busy in Acts chapter 2, they're in the family way. They don't know of another way to do mission and discipleship. And so we see it all over the book of Acts and the rest of the New Testament. Question this morning, how can your group, small group, missional community, team, organization, whatever it is, become more like a family this year? Because it's family that we need for the breakthrough that we're longing for. It's family that we'll need to sow in order to reap the harvest that we believe God has for us. How will your group become more a family this year? And at the end of Acts chapter 2, there's a little summary of the kind of things they were doing. And here are just a few extracts of what those things were that they were doing because they were understood household and oikos and family. It was the way Jesus had modelled it to them. First of all, make sure you don't think of these things as Extras because you haven't got any more time, have you? Hands up if you've got loads of time. Okay, so I'll assume none of us have got loads of time, and we'll work on that basis that we're all too busy. These are all things, as a disciple of Jesus, you're doing already, right? You're already doing soap, aren't you? You're reading the Bible and trying to do what it says. You're already eating, or some of you abandoned that for long term fasting. You're already possibly, in a little tiny way, sharing some resources. Or you're looking envious at another resource that someone else has got and thinking, hmm, how can I get that? Well, this is how you do it. Now, some of you are way more interested than you were a couple of uh, points ago. And they did this daily. Daily they were doing... Now, now, now okay, we could start weekly if we want. And, and I, honestly, you know, we find ourselves here. Don't leap to there because you'll say it's impossible. As I've told you before, Kerry and I have changed our life rhythm intentionally over the last four or five years. Uh, And four or five years ago, we never would have understood where we are now if we tried to jump from where we were. Step by step, otherwise you can't do it. So, what can I do that just edges me more, edges our group more towards family? If you do SOAP, which you should do, you read your Bible, Scripture, Observation, Application, Prayer, if you don't know what I'm talking about, get it on the website, forward slash SOAP, all that stuff, Do it together with some people every week. Do it with your group, like we talked about a few weeks ago. I hope you can begin to see how all these seeds fit in and are interconnected. Food, you do that anyway, I think. Don't you? Look like you do. Do it with somebody else. Don't do the fancy meal, because that will be more effort and you haven't got time. And the second thing about doing the fancy meal is it'll be intimidating because the person that you offer the fancy meal to will think in order to offer you back they've got to do a fancy meal and they haven't. Offer them beans on toast. Even I can do that. If you're not sure how to do beans on toast I can teach you. (laughs) Which means you have a meal that you can share with somebody else. Everything Jesus asks us to do is for everybody. Isn't that what we believe? Priesthood of all believers. So nothing's too complicated for any of us We can all share a meal. The second thing about not making it so fancy is that you want them to understand that this is replicable. We can repeat it. We can do it easily. We don't need to go to huge amounts of effort and so on. Shared resources. That can be challenging at first, but so fruitful. Share what you've got. That hurts. But it doesn't hurt when someone's sharing what they've got with you. It's quite nice. Learn to share. Someone might share something with you, and it's a real blessing. Relax. Some of you can't imagine relaxing in your group because you're as tense as the tensest Christian you've ever been tense with. (laughs) We're (laughs) going to get through the notes. If that person says that one more time, I will scream. (laughs) This is this is discipleship at its best, and I'm so high, I'm going to float to the moon. Relax. Do some things that relax with people. You see, it's interesting. Isn't it? With family, you can relax. There are some people's houses that are part of what I would call family, where I can go into the house, sit on the sofa and fall asleep, just like that. And I don't give two oots about it. Now, I can't do that in lots of homes, can I? Because that would be rude. No, you're not sure, but that? that would be rude, wouldn't it? In normal English convention, that would be quite rude, wouldn't it? But there are some people you can do that. So, so with your small group, can you fall asleep in? Some, some of you have done this already, haven't you? But you didn't intend to. Can you small, can you fall asleep? Yeah, absolutely. No problem. When he goes on, I'm out of there. Lights are on, but absolutely nobody's at home. I, you won't believe this, but my kids tell me that I've got house clothes. What they mean by that is clothes that they hope I wouldn't be seen dead in outside the house. <laughs> That's what they mean. But the clothes that I might wear when I'm not on duty, whatever that is, such as the murky world, I don't understand when that is. So sometimes, I'm with, and, and people might come to the door if I was expecting them, I probably wouldn't have my house clothes on, unless they were family, in which case I wouldn't care less. There are some people that you'll be in the lounge and you'll have laundry all over. You'll have your smalls all over the floor and someone will come in and you'll gather it all up and shove it under the... Oh, nothing happening here. I know that I'm with family when they come to our home and I can still organize the socks and the, everything else that goes with that. How many of you would be horrified if someone called and you had no makeup on or curlers in your hair? And now a question for the women. (laughs) Pray. Pray. You do that every day, don't you? Pray. You're going to say yes because you're in church, even if you don't. So pray with other people. Sometimes people are are thoughtful to me and they'll say, um, uh, perhaps at a regular prayer time, you're really busy this week, we don't mind if you don't pray. Actually, for me, it's the flip side of that. I need to pray anyway because I'm busy. So I'm grateful for the guys that will get on the phone or get on Skype with me on the beginning of a very busy day and pray with me. And I pray with them because I need that. Anyone know what I'm talking about? Because if I wasn't doing that with them, I might skip it. Occasionally, a vicar once skipped his prayer time, you know. You don't want to read that book. It ends horribly. We need one another. So do some stuff. Don't do extra stuff. Just do some of what you're doing together. Testimony. Let your conversation be full of what Jesus is doing. Think about what you're talking about at your table. Think about what you're celebrating, who you're talking about, what you're doing. Welcome. Welcome. Growing, extended families. Now, this is one thing that I've really noticed. I'm going to end before lunch. It's not clear what time lunch is. So... Um, Welcome. I've noticed that we can set up a new group, new family, new boycott, new whatever. Something can begin to grow. And after a few weeks, probably no more than six. Six, I can count. That would be seven. Six. Six, six, ooh, six, six. six, See, there's something going on here. Seven. The Weird prophets are going mad now. Six and seven. So after about six weeks, everyone's going, we've got a lovely group. And someone says, what if I bring some so-and-so along? What?! I'm not having them in my group. No! We've just got to know each other. If they come to our group, we won't be able to speak to one another, and we won't be honest, and we won't this, and we won't that, and we won't the other. Honestly, folks, which gospel are we part of? Do we follow the God of heaven who broke open the Trinity? Who did not say, hey, three guys, we've been together for eternity. It's fab, isn't it? Let's not let anyone else in. No, we we worship a God who opened up the relationship from before the beginning of time. So much so that his arms are stretched onto a cross and nailed there. Open families. Open families relationships. Now you rightly say, I've got to protect my family. You are absolutely right. Listen to how this might work. If someone knocks the door and I don't know them and they've got an axe in their hand, I probably won't let them in because I love my family more than I love the axe murderer that's standing outside. Okay? It's fair enough. I love my family just a little bit more than the axe murderer standing outside that I don't know. But what if... What if one of my family says, hey, this is Jim, he's an axe murderer, we've got to watch it, we've got to sleep with both eyes open, but I'm journeying with him and I need your help to journey with him that axe murderer Joe might find Jesus. What are you going to do? You're going to say, come in and sleep with both eyes open, aren't you? All right. Have it your way. So we say to people, "Look, you can bring anyone you like if you're journeying with them. Don't bring anybody. That's nuts. That's not relational. That's not what Jesus taught us But those that God's calling you to reach Does that make sense? It's a world of difference, isn't it? And to be honest, we just need Jesus to help us don't we because this is not very comfortable This is not very comfortable But if we do it, we'll all grow as a family And it won't happen by deciding you're going to do it as a group. It'll only happen as individuals decide they're going to do it and live like that as a group. It's down to you. It's not down to the group. Don't blame the group. Don't say the group's not doing it. The only question worth asking is, am I doing it? Am I doing it? You're all in groups. If you've got no idea, right? If you've got no idea where to connect in, you're completely on your own. You've got no relationships. You've got no idea where to start. We've got 15 or 20 groups, different families relating in different ways, different kinds of networks. We'd love to get you connected. Come and see me. I'll be down um, and see the team. Someone will be down there uh, off to my left, your right at the end of the service. But most of us know, you know, don't go looking for another group. Remember what I said about soap? Um, don't, don't, go, don't go wide. I'm in this group for this, and this group for that, and this is my relaxed group, and this is my Bible study group, and this is my what 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 group. No 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 no. Go deep. Go deep with a group of people that you might one day look each other in the eyes and go, "Hey, do you know what? I think with the Spirit of God, we've become a family. Isn't that beautiful? We've become a family, a spiritual oikos, where God's kingdom." can be made known where we can be priests and we can offer a sacrifice of service and praise so how do we respond this morning I guess some of us need to go hey I thought I wasn't included but I am I cannot find in the scriptures now where I'm not included I need to repent of my wrong thinking about that I need to turn around from my wrong, or I need to repent from holding on to hurts. So I've said, I'm not going to be part of a family, I'm not going to get close to anyone anymore. I'm not going to build those kind of intimate relationships because family sucks. It's time to change our minds, to repent, to turn around. For others of us, it's about saying, Hey, I've pursued this individualism far too much. And I'm really challenged that God only does something in community. I've got a hurt that I need Jesus to heal. This family relationship stuff has really hurt me, stuffed me. I need Jesus to touch me before I can move forward. I want to renew my commitment to build family with those God has given me. And do you know what? God sets the lonely in families. God sets the lonely in families. Sometimes we wonder what we do in here has anything to do with people dying in Morrison's car park. But can you see it's got everything to do with people dying in Morrison's car park? Everything in the world. Just be quiet for a moment. Going to stay quiet for a few moments, and just as you, as you allow the Spirit to settle on your heart, some of you, some of you are hurting right now, and you're aware that that hurt stops you moving forward. And when we got to that point, where we said, "Jesus knows exactly what that's like." Something in your heart fluttered because you knew it was for you. I'd love to pray with you. I'm going to invite you to stand. Just stand now so that we can pray. Lord, I'm just praying for all those standing this morning because we're longing We're longing for you to do a supernatural healing work in our lives. We're longing for you to grab hold of the painful parts of our hearts and to touch us in only the way you can. Come, Lord Jesus. Come, Lord Jesus. Come, Lord Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Another's view, you know, God's spoken to you this morning. Oh, I've got to do something about this. I've got to step out from where I am. I invite you to stand now. I've got to grasp this. I fear God calling. I'm changing the way I'm thinking, I'm changing the way I'm feeling. This is about me today. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Thank you, Lord Jesus. I'm asking your anointing on those that have just stood. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus.